Hi, everybody. This is a podcast where real doctors discuss fake medical emergencies. That means that this podcast is not medical advice. This episode is actually the audio from our March WonderCon at Home panel. If you want to see our smiling faces, you can click the link in the show notes and go to the video on Comic-Con's YouTube page. Hello, WonderCon at Home. I'm Johnny Kolosinski. You might remember me from such podcasts as Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine panel, The Snyder Cut. It's just like this panel, but it's four hours long and it has Jared Leto. Uh, this is Hi Everybody, a Bad Medicine panel. We're going to be talking about what Hollywood gets right and wrong about medicine and how the body works. Uh, with me today are my co-hosts, Dr. Jackson Vane. Hi, everybody. Uh, and Dr. Courtney Nicholas. Hi, everybody. And Dr. Greg Winter. What's up? <laughs> Just like this. Hi, everybody. <laughs> uh, so you can find this podcast online on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Hi Everybody MD or at www.hieverybodymd.com. Or if you want to call us or leave us a message or text us, you can call us at 530-DOCTORB. That's 530-362-8672. I guess the B this week would stand for burgers, I guess, would tie in all the stuff that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Before we get into the two episodes of TV we're going to be discussing, which is Parks and Rec Season 5, Episode 13, Emergency Preparedness, and... uh, Bob's Burgers, The Kids Run the Restaurant, Season 3, Episode 20. I want to, can you just introduce yourselves to people who don't know the show and uh, what you do? Um, sure. I'm Jackson Vane. Um, I'm a pediatric emergency medicine doctor here. My name is Courtney Nicholas. My brother calls me a baby mechanic, so I'm a neonatologist. I take care of the babies in the ICU. I'm Greg Winter. I am a hospice and palliative care doctor. I deal mainly with people at the end of life or people with severe symptoms that need uh, managing. And I'm Johnny Kolosinski, and I have no marketable skills. <laughs> um, you do so many podcasts. <laughs> oh my exactly. Podcast. So much hosting. Um, let's talk about the elephant in the room really quickly before we get things started. And the fact that, hey, you guys are there. I'm here. Why yeah. is that? Well, we're all vaccinated. Um, since we're all healthcare providers, we all had to get vaccinated so we can work. So um, I mean, we're still wearing our masks outside of our group of people, especially when we're in public. But here, since we're all in the bubble, we are not wearing a mask right now. And that's why we're all here together. Mm-hmm. And you are unclean. So that is why you're over there by yourself. <laughs> exactly. Medical podcasters don't get the same uh, priority. Nope. Uh, and uh, it just because we set up this great podcasting studio that we needed to immediately start recording remotely. Yes. Well, I, I also think it should be known like Jackson and Courtney both got their vaccines before I did as they are more frontline than I am. I mean, there is a specific there, there's reasons for the rollout that they're doing. And I'm glad that I can be in the same space with them. But also, you know, we are following the rules and you should you should protect yourself and protect your loved ones. It's it's not a joke. Yeah, we wish we could be there live, but mm-hmm. this will be the second best thing we can do. Third. Exactly. Third best thing we can do. <laughs> Um, so with that, let's let's get into the first episode that we wanted to talk about today, uh, which was the Parks and Rec episode. And quick synopsis of it is uh, at the last minute, Leslie Nope gets called into a disaster preparedness drill where they are dealing with a fake outbreak of H1, H5N1, which is the bird flu. Yeah, that one's the avian flu. I think... We were watching this, and I think it brought back memories of when the hospital inspectors come to the the hospital randomly and just surprise us. And we are all caught off guard and kind of forced into like a quick thinking situation. But H5N1 is actually a pretty scary virus. I think that was like the big hot virus a few years ago. Uh, I I mean, also, I don't think... In a real in a real world scenario, they don't come in and say, "Hey, here's what's happening." It's more like, "Are you doing things properly? What are your contingency plans in case something happens?" Um, it's less of a role play- playing scenario and more of a, "Do you have your your ducks in a row?" scenario, um, which is very different from a from a town council perspective, which is what they're portraying. And actually, I, I think they do get this kind of testing where someone mm-hmm. comes in and runs a scenario with them. Um, Jackson and I both are actually Jackson, Courtney and I all lived in, in Long Beach. And part of my residency training there was, uh, doing 
this sort of running around with the government enforcement <laughs> officials and kind of seeing what is going on, which means, you know, our restaurants up to code. Also, not just kind of pen- penalizing people, but hey, here's how you here's how you get your grade A recommendation. And one of the things I thought was really interesting when when I was going through that particular rotation, you know, in Long Beach, they have um, they have actual horse like they have horse stables in the middle of downtown Long Beach, which is the thing you don't know unless you have a horse. But part of that is they have bird cages there where they are trapping birds. They're also like taking blood from um, from specific chickens and things like that to see if there is a spread of, of certain viruses and things like that. It was a very, very interesting um, rotation to just kind of see the things that are are going on behind the scenes to make a city work and also make a city safe. So, I mean, there is that part of it where it's like, eh, this is definitely for humor, but also, no, that that's happening behind the scenes in a city. And it also happens in the hospital, too, where they'll actually have like internal... Um, disasters yeah oh yeah oh we definitely do that that's true where we'll actually have people with um blood on their face and just full makeup and the ambulances would actually drive them into the ambulance bay and just drop them off going this one was in africa and may have ebola i'm like racist (laughs) yes well yes jackson is racist i agree (laughs) how dare you but in a very generalized sense you know drills help you be prepared for these disasters that may come and you t- see, tend to see them pop up more, you know, after significant storms, things, you know, that may happen in the country. And we want to make sure that we're prepared you know, in mm-hmm. a separate area. Yeah. I, I think the thing that's kind of, I, I mean, like this definitely happens, but the thing that's fictional is that it's out of nowhere. Whereas most of the time when your hospital is going to get tested for something, you, you know, ahead of time, you're preparing for it ahead of time. I mean, it, you basically don't want it to be like Jerry. Right, <laughs> where yeah. you just spring it on them and go, oh man, it's someone's gonna think it's real, and everyone freaks out. And that actually happened when I will argue with that. I think some people don't know that it's real, and yeah, the people at the top may know it's coming, but part of it is to. So that actually happened in my fellowship, where we actually had a fire, like a a drill where hot air balloons collided, and it was in the middle of our um, football field. Kablamo! Yeah, <laughs> and they had like Boom. down balloons and everything and people were on the sides like videotaping calling 911 and all that stuff saying something bad happened on the football field mm-hmm. oh wow and we're like telling them no it's fake it's okay and they didn't believe us because everyone was super bloody well, and also a bunch of er doctors out there too didn't really help right right now the, the place i'm going uh, i'm working with is going through recertification and so this is a thing that happens every couple of years but it's less that's very different from a uh, disaster testing scenario where we're, we're getting recertified, which is the thing that you know about and you're preparing for. But disaster disaster preparedness is something where they, you can be tested. But I don't it's not like suddenly you lose. It's just like, oh, you here are things you can improve on. It's not like you suddenly can't be a hospital or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. You're, you're suddenly no longer certified to deal with a disaster. So if there's disasters happening, your hospital closes. And really, they didn't describe the penalty that would happen to Pawnee. Yeah. I don't think right. there was a penalty because they said they'd, they'd failed 12 they failed years running. So times. Yeah. Uh, can you uh, uh, turn Greg up just a touch? Yeah. Things no one ever says. <laughs> Kit, I need a little more Greg in the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's talk a little bit about what their plan was for H5N1. Um, So is H5N1, first of all, is this something that's going to be spread person to person or is it um, only animal to people contact? So it's droplet and it is from person person to person. Person to Birdman, yes. Um, You can only catch it from Michael Keaton. Got it. This is a good time to say what I should have said earlier, which is this podcast is not medical advice and neither is this panel. <laughs> the B stands for Birdman. The B stands for Birdman. Yes. Um, the natural reservoir is in birds, um, poultry. Also, um, Edward Norton. So good. So good. <laughs> at Birdman. Jesus Christ. So good. I think I need to add that one to my list. Birdman. Mm-hmm. I got to watch that too. I haven't, I haven't watched that. Too good. Oh, <laughs> that in midsummer. Can we just talk about Birdman? Okay. No, we can't. We don't have time. We don't have time. <laughs> no time. Not enough time. Um, but yeah, it's actually in. It, it started in birds, and then um, it actually started in China. I believe was the first outbreak of H five N one, and it was in the live markets. But also, mm-hmm. if you were a hobby farmer, so you were keeping chickens in your backyards for fun, or if you had cockfighting chickens, that's actually how it spread quite a bit. <laughs> 
<laughs> I knew that was going to get a snicker from I mean, somebody. I mean, who had less than 10 minutes before Jackson mentioned cockfighting? <laughs> Just check it off on your uh, okay, Moving on with this PG-13 <laughs> panel. Yeah. Um, yeah, I said cockfighting. I know what I said. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but it is spread from person to person. And there was mm-hmm. actually a small outbreak at the end of last year of H5N1 as well. At the end of 2020 or 2019? 2020. And okay. There was where also was a significant, I'm sorry, I don't remember where, but I know there was there was an outbreak there, of it. There was a significant outbreak probably, I want to say like six or seven years ago also. And it was sort of the the thing that was happening that you had to pay attention to. Yeah. And that's right around, I think, when the episode aired. Okay. Yeah. It was like 20, if I remember correctly, from the head like 2013. Line. Exactly. Yeah. But it, um, it's a pretty deadly one, too. It's So we've all heard of like H1N1, which is like swine flu. Mm-hmm. That one's like pretty contagious. It spreads really quickly, but it doesn't like have a high mortality. However, this one, it spreads slower, but it has a higher mort- mortality in general. In that situation, it's kind of like COVID-19 then? Kind of, yeah. COVID-19 is in the, it's in the oh. sweet spot of fast spreading. Fast spreading, also high mortality. Yeah. It's more like the, the Spanish flu, another racist name, but it is, it's one of those things where it's like, it spreads slow enough to, or the symptoms are slow enough so that when it spreads, it's not so bad, but it's also, uh, it hurts you enough so that people die. And so that that's when things get scary, when, when you can get a disease and not know about it and then spread it to other people. And then also everybody gets really sick and dies. Yeah. Something you can compare avian flu or H5N1 to is maybe Ebola. So something that has a high mortality rate, but doesn't spread as easily. Uh, okay. It may kill the person who gets it before it's able to really right. spread out. Yeah. Whereas COVID-19 has spread easily and had a high mortality rate. Yep. And let's talk about some of the prevention methods that they put into place. Okay. Um, one of them was that they were going to kill all the birds. Kill all humans. <laughs> I mean, I've been watching that was the- drama. Sorry. <laughs> but she was very... He was very deliberate in how he wanted to kill all those birds, too. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Greg Greg actually has more experience in all of this. Not the bird killing, killing the part, bird? but actually uh, tracking <laughs> the like viruses and stuff. Right. Like. And and so that's part of it is is like what's happening? How is it spreading? How is it? How how can we contain it? And I think that's one of the things that can often be overlooked by by people that are sort of not in the scientific community is like there are things that are happening behind the scenes that you can't just be like, okay, we're going to, we'll put up a barrier and that way it won't spread. If a bird is, or if a disease is spread through birds, like you can't really say, oh, well, we've stopped all the birds from flying out of our town. Um, this, it, this is a very fictionalized scenario. And so it's a little bit different. It's just, you know, there, these are really complicated scenarios. And so it's, it becomes really important to listen to the people that know what they're talking about because otherwise you're just kind of listening to opinions. So it, it's, it's very much mirrored in the things that are happening today. You just, ha- you just have to always consider your source, like make sure your sources are are actually reputable sources of the information you're getting. Yep. So one way to look at it is taking care of the vector or the thing that has the disease is kind of like quarantining. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just basically you're quarantining birds. There's a yogurt mm-hmm. joke in there somewhere. Taking care of business, TCYB, country's best yogurt. Nope, nope, nobody. Nope. Got it after you explained it. Okay, yeah, yeah took you. a while. Jokes <laughs> that you explain are the best jokes. <laughs> they are. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Another step that they went through was, and this is one that they failed, was shutting down all the buses. Did and they, did they do that with COVID? I don't remember. Well, they shut down the planes, remember? They yeah. tried yeah. to and that, for a couple of weeks. And that's one of the I mean, one of the big things was how do we keep this from crossing borders? I mean, borders in general are are fictional lines on maps, but if you can stop people from from coming from an area where there is an infection to an area where there isn't an infection, then of course that's gonna help stop spread the infection. Um mm-hmm. it's it's harder to do that in a in a land-based scenario, right? I mean, people have cars, you can drive around. And, and so then it becomes very difficult. Also, when things can be spread by an animal flying away, it becomes very difficult to stop it. It's not to say that doing, taking those measures is wrong. It just means that it's, it's only just a, one of the things you can do. And so you really need people to, to really try hard 
in order to make sure that they're doing everything they can to stop spreading something. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if I recall correctly, at least here, I don't think buses were ever completely shut down. I might, we're we're all here in San Diego. Um, Yeah, they needed to keep things moving at least. But in some counties in California, they have an ordinance that you can't personally drive more than a hundred miles away from the county. Oh, wow. And if you do, you have to quarantine yourself when you get back. That's, oh, wow. It's difficult uh, to enforce. I was going to say, yeah, really hard thing to enforce. That's one of those, you know, try I, to follow the rules to keep your neighbors safe. Situations. I think that's. I think that's really one of the things that's really frustrating is because if you're trying to follow those rules and then you are around people that aren't following those rules and and they they are profiting is the wrong word, but the, you know, like their Benefiting. quality of life is nicer because they're not following the rules. That makes things really difficult, and it makes it harder to enforce those rules for people that really do want to follow the rules. Right. Um, and- it's it's like the people who will follow the rules don't need the rules to be there because <laughs> yeah, right. enforcement isn't necessary because you're taking the, the steps out of, you know, good citizenship. Yeah. Yep. The sign in the bathroom that says employees must wash hands is really <laughs> it's like they, hopefully the employees don't need that sign. Hopefully they're washing their hands. But the ones that don't. Also, they prob- like, probably don't read signs. Sign matter? It's a stern warning. <laughs> like, hey, 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 you you should you really should. Probably sign. Should. Hey, there's a sign right there. You got to do it. Yeah. Can I can I talk about Chris's <laughs> symptoms really quick too? Yes, please. You want to talk about poop hands? Well, I, I mean, this is a, a good responsibility transition. when you see someone not wash their hands. It is. <laughs> it's an irresponsibility. All right, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> Ouch. Ouch. Um. But I think poop hands is a good transition point to like how Chris eventually got sick because the buses didn't get shut down. Mm-hmm. And they said he just had diarrhea, diarrhea, some cold symptoms, and then he ultimately died of diarrhea. Sounds more like dysentery. Yeah. They, they're confusing a lot of diseases. But also we had to look up bird flu to make sure it didn't include diarrhea. <laughs> so it can, <laughs> but not to the point where you poop your brains out. Yeah. So, I don't know. Chris Traeger's diet probably is very, very fibrous. It feels like he's got a lot of loose stool to begin. <laughs> Suave. <laughs> Muy suave. Um, one of the things that they do that worked as a plot point for me, but wasn't sure about the accuracy, was they set up a triage point in the the lot that they were going to be using as a park. Mm-hmm. Um, that was kind of the the other a plot of the episode what and jackson i know you've worked in smaller towns Mm -hmm. what is is that something that would happen where they would set that off-site away from a hospital so usually they'll do that with kind of more disaster situations as opposed to like viral illnesses because usually viral illnesses you would expect them to have maybe a tent outside of a hospital so that you can quickly triage patients and then put them where they need to go whether into the clean or the dirty waiting room, which is actually what we're doing in our emergency department. But usually when they do an offsite triage, it's because like a bomb blew off or there was um, hot air balloons that crashed or mm-hmm. an earthquake kind of situation. How many hot air balloon emergencies have you a had? A lot. Two. It feels oh, like more than one. Two. Because where I used to live in Albuquerque, they had the fiesta. hot air balloon fiesta and crashes happen. Yeah. And people Thank get really tanked. God, they but, had that drill. Yeah. So, but that was the reason why we'd have that. And then we would do quick triaging, which we would go around with tags and um, black, red, yellow, green. If you had black, that basically meant you're dead or you're going to die soon. Red is like expectant. Also, if you usually what we'll do is if you need help, come over here. Right. And then those are the people we immediately dismiss. No, you guys are fine. You guys are fine. You got up and you walked towards me. You're fine. And that. I mean, that kind of brings us into the other episode, so I don't want to get into it. But I, re- I remember in med school when we did these sort of triage drills. And part of it is like you have to you are determining where care, where care is actually needed, where, where actual like specialist care is needed. And so part of that is kind of this tag system of at the bottom is green and then yellow, red, black. And like sort of the higher up you pull the tag the more care you need. But if you are kind of that at the black, that black tag person feels feels racist again, (laughs) (laughs) but it's just, I mean, it's one of those ways where, you know, you resources matter and, and there are a certain group of people where in a mass casualty situation, you 
you're not going to be able to help them in a way that maybe you would help them in a different situation. And so if you're trying to kind of do the most amount of good for the most amount of people, that's, that's part of weighing that responsibility. Most, most doctors never have to make that call. In fact, you know, we're, we're lucky to be in a place where we, even when things go really horribly, we, we mostly don't have to make that call, but still it is a thing that we're trained on, on doing. Yep. And then something to remember is that as time moves on, those colors can change, you know, and I, I don't work in an emergency room, but I've, but I've read a lot about it after the, the Vegas disaster mm-hmm. um, with the shooting at the concert. And it was really interesting to me that, you know, they see everybody and they tag them and, you know, the, the black group, the, you, you know, give them morphine and try to keep them comfortable. But then they would group together all the red tags who yep. needed help to keep, you know, all the providers taking care of them. Yeah. They'd group together the yellow tags, knowing that if the yellow tags did not get help soon, they would become red, red tags. And so, you know, you have like spectrum. the amount of people taking care of them based on what they need at that time, knowing that if you don't get to them soon enough, they're going to, to go down that cascade of colors. Yeah. There's a video game reference that I'm and there's like 15 games I want to reference of like Factorio and things like that, where, you know, as soon as you do one thing wrong, everything cascades. That's where my brain is. So you so think people are like Factorio? I, apparently I do. Dominoes? I've been I've playing, a, I've been playing a lot of Luck Be a Landlord tonight. Oh, I don't know that one. I've oh, been playing FTL, oh, we which is talk fantastic, about. but that's not, a, that's not on topic here. Luck yeah. Be a Landlord is amazing. There's a, um, there's a lot of risk management. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so anything else specifically on parks and rec that we want to cover? Uh, Jones hangover. Oh yeah. Oh um, well, that yeah. That's totally part. worth talking. That's about. probably like, <laughs> I think that was the part that we all were most excited to talk about was Jones hangover. Um, but that was her allergies is what she said. Cause she went yeah. on a cruise, had a good she, time. She went on a week long booze cruise that just end, ended in the morning. And her allergies. Yeah. You have COVID. <laughs> <laughs> But then her allergies started acting up, not COVID, obviously. <laughs> but um, I think this, when we saw the struggle with the coconut water, we knew pain was coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and also part of um, part of a hangover is dehydration. And I, I mean, Gatorade works, whatever that other Powerade P- works. Pedialyte. And any of those things that give you salt and some minerals. Electrolytes. electrolytes. It's got what plants crave. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> God, that movie's amazing. I love it. Uh, President Camacho, yes. <laughs> but but so those those things definitely help with with hangovers. I mean, what really helps with hangovers is maybe don't drink so much. Yeah. I mean, that's really the main thing. Or getting allergies. But it it's I, I think probably all of us. I mean, and when I'm saying all of us, I'm including anyone that's listening has worked with someone who has overindulged. That's a nice way of saying and, it. And still come into work when they shouldn't have. And so it was funny to see someone try to hold their ish together and um, still still do their job, but also not be able to. Just like, no, you think she hey, tapped out. You think you're doing it. You're not doing it. Also, someone else is propping you up. And I think it's in, in any field you see that. And it's also an unfortunate thing that that's a thing that exists in health. I mean, healthcare people are still human beings. Um, I think the consequences are greater when people do things like that. But it, it's it's funny. And also it's sad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But her planking was pretty nice. Yeah, okay, thank you. Great. I was just going to say that. Yeah, <laughs> it was a good plank. It was a good <laughs> slice of the, the early 2000s. Remember planking, guys? Those hot memes in the 2000s. Peak I, mean. I don't know even know if you would have body control enough to do planking at that point. Are you saying me? I, He's looking at you. The royal we? I, I've i got body control. When you're passed out? I've got plank body control. <laughs> <laughs> I can lay across two couches. <laughs> We're going to try that after this. Um, Patreon other, level content right there. Yeah. But the other thing, too, is like Ron teaching the kid. How to do a tracheostomy. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. a really hard procedure. And I've, we've talked about this on the podcast before, too, is just it's not a fun procedure and it's real bloody. And I'm surprised that kid called Ron instead of calling 911. Actually, in that universe, Ron was the right person think, to yeah, call. Fair. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Ron is amazing. What about his hangover cure? Uh, which a giant was... steak cooked in butter with wet socks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that works. 
Courtney likes her wet socks. I don't know. Real, <laughs> real wet. That's how she likes her socks. I, I mean, part of the, part of any hangover cure is getting calories in your body, getting fluid in your body, body, and getting salt in your body. Any any electrolyte solution is basically salts, and that's what you need. Um, and we all know you absorb the most salt through your feet, through your wet socks. Yep, <laughs> that is where it all comes from. Uh, I mean, half of it. I, it seems the steak part i don't know if you would want to eat a steak though if you've been drinking a lot if you're ron swanson you would yeah but, but greasy food is always great i don't know if it makes i mean what is a hangover a, a hangover log is dehydration that's what a hangover is um i i can't i can't say that a steak makes that better but man does it taste good mm-hmm. a country fried steak oh don't Johnny, we gotta we gotta do some country fried steak eating and talk about some sci-fi stuff. <laughs> yeah, we do. Uh, so so that was first episode that we wanted to cover. Uh, second episode is uh, the kids run the restaurant, which is in the third season of Bob's Burgers, and there's just really two or three scenes that stuck out. And at this boy, one. were they scenes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, the the premise of it is obviously the kids are running the restaurant. The reason is that Bob cut his finger and had to go to the ER. Well, he cut his finger crotch. I don't understand how he cut there though. That's an official name. The finger crotch, not the webbing. I think we call it the webbing. I mean, that's how I refer to it. But I've also told my re- when my residents have presented to me with patients with a cut there, I'm like, oh, the finger oh, crotch. Finger crotch. <laughs> I actually do call it the finger crotch. Um, but how do you cut there if you're cutting tomatoes? I'm still not understanding that as it's, I'm gesturing. I, I would say that Bob is maybe not a um, an ice trained chef, if you would. Okay. He, he doesn't. <laughs> he does not have an international a formal training culinary education. Fair. I feel like there's a couple episodes where we've seen his knife skills close up, and I kind of want to watch those and compare and see if this is an injury that could actually happen. I mean, he was the getting he real comes. distracted, though. Mm-hmm. Like his kids and his wife were going completely nanners in the restaurant. Mm-hmm. That like was it's always story. an injury that can happen, too. You, know, yeah. you, you look at something, you're like, how did that work out? Um, when when Gene says, stitch, please, that made me, that really made me <laughs> laugh. I was pretty happy with that. I, th- I mean, Pat, like, see, there is something to be said for people. A specific group of people that see their own blood, even if it's not a significant injury, and will pass out from it, even if it's like getting a blood draw or donating blood, um, that that happens. It's not it doesn't make you a bad person. It's not some, so, something wrong. It's just the first time I actually saw blood in an emergency department when I was volunteering in the hospital, I passed out. Sounds, and sounds about right. I see the plaque on your wall. Jackson <laughs> passed out from blood the first time. It's over there. It's, right there. it's by my <laughs> teaching award over there. <laughs> um, but I remembered um, it was exactly like how they kind of portrayed it was I saw them char- starting a line in some guy's neck, but the the doctor missed and it started spurting out. And I said, was that supposed to happen? But I can feel my voice slurring. Was that supposed <laughs> yeah. to happen? I'm like, was that? why is everything black and white? And, and then the doctor just looked at me. He's like, you're going to pass out soon. I'm like, you need cool. to sit down. And did <laughs> yeah. not sit down. He's like, don't pass that onto my sterile field. Yeah, mm-hmm. Pass out backwards. Yeah. So I did. And did you? Back your head on the floor. I did. I passed out. Luckily, I passed out right into a chair. Okay. So no coup counter coup issue. Because somebody put that chair behind you. They saw it coming. And they knew. We are trained oh, to see but my medical head. students go we down. We got another medical student about to Here's pass Here's the worst out. part. Exactly. I wasn't even a medical student. I was just some little like kid. They had a chair following you around yeah. when you walked into the ER. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But that was a lot of blood. And I, I full on passed out. Oh, I was a fainter too. I was not brag i woke up <laughs> one of my charge nurses had smelling salts under my nose oh wow, <laughs> oh, wow. not fun <laughs> like, get that away from me They're like we haven't used these in forever exactly well, my favorite joke in the nicu is now don't pass out we don't do adults up here <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna cram you in that little incubator exactly <laughs> sit in there but one of my favorite parts about this episode was after they i mean this is getting in the weeds but Eh, I'll do it. But on when when Tina gets asked to do the the board game stuff or when Tina gets asked to be the um the babysitter. babysitter, they have board games out and so they have Surgery Sam, which is clearly Operation, and then they have Torpedo, which is clearly Battleship, but also as someone who loves board games, there is a board game called Torpedo Run 
which is like a rubber band disc shooting board game where you physically shoot discs across a flat plane to physically blow up people's shit. Like the boats actually explode. They're on, they're on little like rubber band, um, like target. I don't know how to explain it, but if you have the means, you should play torpedo run. You should (laughs) immediately play. It's one of the best games ever. Uh, I was hanging out with my friend Jeff earlier today. He just had a baby shower. Congratulations, Jeff. Um, But that's a game we used to play at his house. And it is like one of those games where everything is happening physically. And I saw that torpedo thing and plus the ship theme. And I was like, oh, really? Torpedo run? And then later, it's clearly Battleship. But also, you should play Torpedo Run. You should play Torpedo Run. You should watch Midsummer. And you should (laughs) watch Midsummer. This will all make sense if you listen to our podcast. Um, the one thing I did notice that was kind of gross was when Bob cut his hands and he was trying to comfort Tina and just kept patting her on the head. <laughs> I mean, this is one of the few times in this episode where there was not enough blood. That's, that's at the end of the episode, Jackson was like, I think there was too, too much blood. blood. Yeah. That was like it, always it, my complaint. That a a running theme of the podcast is that there's not enough blood in any movie or episode of television that we watch. Boy, unless, boy does there a lot of blood later on in this yeah. episode. Um, and, and the reason for that is that when Bob goes to the hospital, yeah. well, his, I, I oh, think it was cute that they said, oh, we'll be back in an hour going to an emergency department. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I mean, if you went to an emergency department where you were the only patient, maybe then you would be maybe you'd be back. That's in an hour. that's still pushing. it. Yeah, that's how I felt. You got registration. Yeah. You got to get those discharge papers. But it it was sort of a good view into like the emergency room is for emergencies and did Bob cut his hand? Yes. Was it a bad cut? Eh. eh. But I mean, even if it was a bad cut, like, is that actually an emergency? And maybe, I, I don't want to say it wasn't, but often what we see, especially in the US, is that the things in the emergency room are things that are certainly urgent. They're certainly hurting you and not great, but is it an emergency? And part of an emergency room doctor's job is to like sort of triage that and say, is this actually an emergency? Like, is this a thing that's going to kill you? Is this a thing that you can go home with and, and figure it out later? Thank you for describing my job. Oh, Jackson's here. I'll let Jackson <laughs> talk about it. Uh, what Greg said, basically. Yeah, that's right. I said it better. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I, I think it's a, that's a really big problem or that's a really big issue with where we're at in, in U.S. medicine, which is most people don't have access to the type of care that they need where like these things happen where you have a thing that acutely happens and all you can do is go to the emergency room at the same time in the emergency room someone has been shot someone has been stabbed someone is really really sick with some sort of communicable illness that's the guy and that's all just one guy yeah (laughs) right that's like all that stuff can happen and it's like is your cut on your hand really an emergency and it may be an emergency to you but is it an emergency in the grand scheme of things, which for a doctor is easy to say for someone that's going through it, it's a little bit harder yeah. to evaluate. It's just and it's one of those really hard things to explain to families yeah. is, hey, I got here before that person. Why are you seeing that person like, before me? Because that person has an emergency. And <laughs> we try to explain that all the time that it's not based on time. It's based on acuity. Right. And I find it surprising how fast Bob got in with his little cut. Because he went in before. And most of those people just had coughs, though. No, there was dang, Dangle Arm Guy. Dangle Arm Guy should have went in real yeah, quick. But, you know, he's going to the OR. They're waiting for the, the orthopedics to come in. They're going to cast that in the OR. In- they're, not, they're not casting double. They are not casting a double 90-degree angle Dangle Arm. We do that all the time. Mm, we said it. We said it, it in the. Um, we said it under sedation and then cast it. I mean, that guy's going to the, the OR. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> also, not an ER doctor. I think yeah. I've gone through this. Before. We literally have a sign in the labor and delivery waiting room that says, "This is a triage situation. You will not necessarily be seen in the order of arrival." Like, yeah, it is I mean, posted up in the waiting room. That's that, <laughs> and I'm guessing people read that sign just as frequently as they read the "Please wash hands in the bathroom." Correct. <laughs> <laughs> um. I also made this other note. This happened at noon, and we know this happened at noon because it was right before the lunch rush. Right before gambling gets real busy. It is. That is the busiest ER I've seen (laughs) at noon on a random day. Yeah. I know it was Fleet Week, but still, I did not see all sailors in there. What you know about Fleet Week? 
I li- North Chicago. <laughs> I'm just giving you shit. North Chicago. Um, I'm just giving you ish. That is all right. Um, I can say ish, right? You That's can like say it. ish. Um, Johnny, I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> you're you're wrangling all of us in and keep or reining us all in, I should say. Um, I do want to talk about like the reason why we picked this episode was yeah, newbie doctor. Mm-hmm. But I'll let you set that up. So uh, the doctor that they're seeing was a baby doctor, but not uh, the doctor that we were seeing uh, was a baby doctor, but not like Courtney's a baby doctor, but a doctor who was a baby. Um, I have had to make that distinction before as well. <laughs> no, I'm a baby doctor. <laughs> Dude, no, 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 no. I, I mean, I'm a doctor. I do baby stuff. Yeah. And so he was a resident I mean, who had work, his... Not for fun. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Moving on. Um, the... Um, but so he was a resident that was without his, uh, his attending for the first time that, that day. Correct. Yes. I mean, that's how they sold it. Yes. Was that accurate? No. Yeah. No, you are incorrect. Jackson. All of us had a day where we no longer had an attending. We still us. have to sign off in the emergency department though. You still need to have an attending sign off if you wanted to get paid for that patient. That's, different. that's, <laughs> a, that's a very different. It is a different thing, no. but there Johnny, is, I'm sorry. I will be honest with you. Yeah, you know what? The doctor that you have at one point had somebody immediately supervising them, and then another day they didn't. And so that is a very real thing where at some point that doctor had a first patient where it was their responsibility completely for the first time. Um, that Are they generally young enough to be texting their mom about it? People still ask me what my age is, and I don't think I look young. There's some other issues wrapped up in there, but... It's one of those things where like, you know what, as you get older and you get sicker and have more health problems, the people taking care of you are younger and younger. It's it's I mean, it's just the nature of the has someone offered to breastfeed your face. <laughs> I I would let Tina Belcher. No, but that happened. My, Linda, Linda, Belcher. Linda Belcher. Uh, not Tina. Oh, no. Mm. Don't cancel me. Linda. I meant Linda. But uh, I mean, like. Yes. You know what? You're you're just like any other profession. Those people are being trained. Not everybody starts out as an expert. In fact, doctors are going to get things wrong. Uh, the good doctors are the people that are going to be able to admit that and also work through those solutions with you. The good doctor? <laughs> Not the good doctor. Th- the doctors that are good people and can understand how to communicate are the people that are going to be like, hey, this was wrong. I did something incorrect or we didn't have all the perfect information. Yeah. Um, I, I think that this show sort of did it in a way that was very human because like that doctor was not trying to play it up that it was his first day, but, um, Linda called him out on it. And also Linda is a mom and can appreciate like, oh, this is a huge milestone for somebody. I'm, I'm trying to celebrate it, but also this person is trying to be a professional. Also this person who's in the ER should know how to sew sew up a finger. If you don't know how to sew and your attending's not there. You're attending that attending. Let them go too soon. Yeah. <laughs> also, Jackson <laughs> said, "Oh, you, you don't you don't look that up in the room with the patient. No. You look that up outside of the yeah. Room. <laughs> you you go to your desk and you pull it up on YouTube at your desk, and then you come back and go. I got. The, let me have my nurse get all my supplies, and I'll be back. Yeah. You yeah. go to the restroom. You look it up. You wash, wash your, your hands. <laughs> you flop sweat and vomit, and then you go back and you go sew it up. You don't just go randomly. I'm going to go inject you with lidocaine, and then I'll figure it out yeah. afterwards. And in a very, I mean. I think in a very real way, like all of us have done a lot of these things that we are called upon to do. We don't we 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 don't necessarily have done them many, many times. But I I think that in a situation like this, if it was something that you didn't feel comfortable with, you always feel comfortable with going to your colleagues and being like, hey, there's a thing I need to do. Can you help me do it? And that I mean, that really happens. And part of medicine is kind of having those relationships with people that you can ask to be like, Hey, this is my patient, but I can't I can't do the thing that's being asked. How like help me do it. And that's a constant thing in the emergency department too cuz like it's really rare when you're like the sole provider um and having there's always someone else on unless you're working in a very tiny emergency department. So bouncing ideas off, "Hey, can you look at this x-ray? Hey, I don't know how to do this one thing." That's a very common thing to do. Med school uh, basically prepares you to interpret what you see on Google. 
<laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, you know, you can't remember all of it. No, so you're never going to remember. All I of have, it. you know, I used to have my residents and fellows YouTube any procedure they were going to do before. And I want them to watch a video before they did it. And if I haven't done a procedure in several, you know, a little bit of time, then I absolutely will review it's it. what up to date is for exactly. in several, a little bit of time, so several, I was little say bit several of years, but there really is yeah, nothing that not goes several thing, years. So. Yeah. <laughs> From a medical critiquing standpoint, his suturing was horrible. Yeah. Why is that? Well, A, he wasn't wearing gloves. Ooh. <laughs> um, B, he was just kind of using a straight needle and sewing a bunch. Usually, if I ever saw a finger crotch laceration, I'd glue those. Yeah, that's it needs a little bit. Finger crotch laceration is my mouse rat cover band, by the way. <laughs> that's a good name. That's, but a, that's a great name for that, a mouse rat cover That is band. a great name. Um, but yeah, usually what I'll do is I'll put like a Steri strip, which is almost like a Band-Aid, and then I'll glue over it just to give it a little bit more tensile strength. And that's it. That's all you really need to do to hold it together. And most cuts on your finger, unless it's massively gaping or there's exposed bone or whatever, you can get away with suturing. I'm sorry, with gluing. Sorry. I I think part of it, I mean, that's maybe the takeaway of the episode is like, if you don't, if you don't really know what's going on, or especially if something goes wrong with your medical management, that's when you have somebody else step in and be like, hey, give me another, give me another opinion. Let you know, what, what do you think I should do? There should be an attending in the house. Right. And I mean, but also he's an attend at some point you're yeah. the attending, yeah. but that doesn't mean you can't ask for help. Yeah. And there are hospital systems where asking for help is not good. I think that that sort of thing is shifting differently because people are more used to working in teams and more used to not feeling bad if they don't know something because information is available. Yeah. So like why, like why why just put your foot down and be like we're doing it this way when you can you can literally look on YouTube and be like oh i oh yeah i can use super glue and this maybe would come out better i had former Not trainees that still call me <laughs> don't use super glue <laughs> no please don't but also have like also, it was former trainees call me um at my hospital asking for advice when they're at other hospitals no one calls you how dare you <laughs> So <laughs> what so what is the difference between a resident and attending and a fellow uh june 20th (laughs) (laughs) technically july 1st my family used to ask me this question and i'd compare myself to different characters on Grey's anatomy but go (laughs) basically everyone does medical school in this country um does medical school and you kind of learn everything and then you pick which area you want to you're interested in and you do a residency so that's one step above medical school and it specializes you and gets you certified into an area like internal medicine or pediatrics, or general surgery. From those areas, if you want to specialize further, you go into a fellowship. So my fellowship was neonatology. Greg's was hospice care. Mine was pediatric Jackson emergency. Was pediatric medicine. emergency. And so it's basically a fellowship is a specialization in your general area of medicine. And then from there, you become an attending, which means you're in charge. And if bad things happen, you're in trouble. I mean, you can become an attending before specialization. It, yeah. that, it, that's Fellowship is an optional step. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that's the big thing. And it used to be even residency was an optional step. I think you could be a general practitioner straight out of medical I think, school. I, I think that was, that's right. I, I that mean, was like 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. I, it is important to understand that it is called a practice of medicine. And also things are done differently in different areas of the country, despite the Absolutely. fact that there is like a, hey, this is what you should do. It's not always the thing that is done everywhere. And also it's not always the thing that is appropriate to be done everywhere. There is some... Uh, I don't want to say art to it. I just want to say there there is a stylistic approach. And part of that is also on the patient's side of, you know, it doesn't matter what your doctor says if you don't listen to what your doctor says. So you have, you have to be or you have to have a relationship with your doctor that matters in a way that's that you're going to act on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, somebody can be the smartest doctor ever. I mean, look at look at house, right? I mean, that's what house the the entire house show is based on it is this guy that is always right but also he's he's a jerk and no one ever listens to him because he's a jerk and so you have to be able to present that information about i mean maybe not necessarily being right but saying hey this is the direction we're going to go in in working something up or at looking something up and you have to go along with me on that kind of journey as opposed to just being like, hey, you do this. And if you didn't do that, well, then you're wrong and you're going to die. I mean, we're all going to die. So you you got to find someone that's going to help you not die in a horrible way. Or today. 
which is my job. <laughs> Building that trust. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> um, can I mention the drive home? Yeah. Bloody it was. That was pretty that was So they leave the hospital and then he, he's bandaged everywhere. Yeah. And shaved everywhere. Shaved yeah. Because they wanted to look for more cuts. Which, I mean, look, mm. I appreciate Linda. She's she just, she's really trying to back him up. She's just very proud. She's she's a proud mama. She is. She is a very proud mama. She wants Gene to be a doctor one day, and he's not gonna. He is not. He's <laughs> just a girls being girls being girls you being girls. Gene makes me laugh so much. Gene is probably my favorite one on that show. Mm-hmm. But um, him looking under the there was already too much blood oozing out from using the whole roll of gauze on his hand. And then when they open it up and it just sprayed everywhere, there's no, I don't think there's any high pressure artery in there, the finger crotch. There is, but it wouldn't be a sudden, like it would have been bleeding like that before. Yeah. And it, unless he nicked it while he was sewing it, which would have been bad. But also it should, it should have been have bleeding been. during that time yeah. too. Right. But he sprayed it all over the place and then ultimately decided to use that hand to play rock, paper, scissors too, which was, that was a good scene. Mm-hmm. Um, that was when I think I looked at Greg and I said, you know what? Too much blood. <laughs> a little too much. The, right. Even if he had like reopened that injury. It wouldn't spray. It I mean, would you, it would you, drip. I think you see it when it first happens. You see kind of the oozing. It could be it could it's the hand. The hand has a lot of it is very vascular. I will say this. His hand should bleed just as much as when he had his initial injury. Right. That's what I was saying. Yeah. So, it shouldn't suddenly be spurting out unless the doctor did something weird, which is possible. I mean he was not doing anything right. And as Linda said, it looked like the 70s bush. <laughs> or if the injury extended. <laughs> if, yeah. Um, if the injury extended, it would explain why he was in the whole role of gauze. Just what do you mean by extended? Like if he cut down it deeper. deeper. Okay. He made this tiny cut into a much bigger cut, which could happen. Um, Exploratory sutures. Especially if you're going to throw them scissors. Boop, boop. Yeah. But sometimes you do need to actually extend a cut to um get oh, really approximation. yeah it's called undermining so it happens sometimes but it's rare it's a really rare thing to do usually it's if it's like super jagged and you can't approximate well so you actually cut a little bit to take t- tension off and then you're able to reattach or reapproximate the cut well hmm. but it's very rare when you need to do it i would agree that it's very rare that you if you are not a plastic surgeon you should not be extending a cut in order to sew it up no i did it once that sounds about right with the plastic surgeon right next to me. <laughs> but that's the rare rare situation. Is there anything else we want to cover on this episode specifically? Oh, I was going to ask, do you guys remember your first patient? First patient as a real doctor? Mm-hmm. After residency? After fellowship? After residency. Yes. 19 minutes into my being a doctor, they brought my first patient in getting chest compressions as they were running towards me in the room. Courtney has a real job. So yes, yeah. <laughs> My first real patient was a three-year-old that the mom said that ha- he had seizures. It was in a clinic. And then I went back and I was so excited saying, like, I have a kid who's really sick, has seizures. And the first thing my attending goes was, did he hit his head or get his toy taken away? And then started crying. I'm like, yeah. Like, it's not a real seizure. It's not a real seizure. And I was real bummed about it. It was a breath-holding spell. That was my first patient. I don't remember my first patient. I remember my first patient that I had like a sit down long discussion with because I no longer was being charged by, or I was not billing by the patient. I was salaried. Mm -hmm. And so this lady was explaining to me, she had brought her mom with her and her mom had all these weird ideas and her mom watched Dr. Oz all the time. And was, I was just like, you know what? Let's just sit down and talk about Dr. Oz. And that's what I, I remember being able to sit down and explain, you know, what it means to be a physician, also what it means to uh, be a snake oil salesman. <laughs> and and That's it was, a good game. It was also just like a nice conversation. And and it it's also what that lady needed. She didn't really have anything wrong with her. It was more just just hearing nonsense that was sort of against what a reasonable thinking person would think, except for that's what she listened to all day long. So it was it was just a very interesting like I remember specifically her daughter being like, oh, well, you have to leave in 15 minutes. And I was like, actually, no, I don't. And I pulled up, I pulled a chair out and just sat down and we chatted for like a half an hour. 
And so that situation changed because you were salary, and so you weren't kind of held to the same level. I mean, in truth, I was. I've I've never been in a situation where I felt that I was like, oh, I better, I have to leave. It's just like that was a very specific. Like, it doesn't. I can I can leave this room, or I can sit here and talk to this person because that's the thing that they need. They need to actually like. Okay, there. (laughs) Yep. They they really need to uh, work out this thing that they're going through. And if I dismiss them, it will only it will only reinforce the things that they already think. So it was nice to just be able to sit down and talk with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, we've just got a couple minutes left, but we generally end the podcast with the same important question, and that's <laughs> the human centipede. We all made scrunchy face right at the same time. <laughs> Did you guys get a uh, human centipede shirt? The human centipede builds itself as 100% medically. We should. I mean, one day. Um, The the, the horror film, The Human Centipede, marketed itself as 100% medically accurate. And we're going to go episode by episode. If that's the case, and if that's our baseline, how medically accurate first was Parks and Rec Season 5, Episode 13, Emergency Preparedness. We've just got a couple minutes on this. I, I would say 150. It's... I mean, it's more accurate than the human centipede. Yeah. It's also not super accurate. That's not, I don't think they would do that type of scenario in a government building, but I've seen similar to, I mean, I definitely saw that scenario in med school, but med school doesn't matter. But yeah. I mean, I, I said one, I'm going to say 120 solely based on Jones hangover. <laughs> <laughs> no planking. No, no plankings, but still more medically accurate than the human centipede. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to go with 127. Okay. Oh. all right and same question different network yep uh how medically accurate if the human centipede which bills itself as 100 100 medically accurate is our baseline how medically accurate was bob's burgers season three episode 20 the kids run the restaurant this one's tougher i i actually i mean i I recall those awkward moments Mm -hmm. As you're sort of trying to figure out how you are going to be a doctor. Yeah. And also, I'm still going through those awkward moments. So, I mean. Dr. Puberty? <laughs> Get a t-shirt with that on it. The Dr. Name, puberty. The name is Dr. Puberty. Okay? <laughs> Call me Dr. P- Mr. Puberty is my dad. Thank you. <laughs> 180%. 180 I think that's good. I was. I, I'm going to say 200. Um, I'm going to say 187. <laughs> there you go. Why not? Uh, yeah. For those who don't listen to the podcast, Bob's Burgers is actually currently our highest scoring series what? with 450 percent for, for the, the episode where everyone gets pinworms. pinworms. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that was real, real legit. Like those. There were some itchy, itchy people. Did they? Did they do the tape? Did they do the they, scotch tape test? They didn't. Which, it, it came up and I got uncomfortable. It's like not quite a 400%. That'd make it five. Yeah. You don't need to do the scotch tape test. You just need to see things crawling out. All right. Well, uh, with that, we kind of have to wrap it up because I'm grossed out. Um, <laughs> Crawling out of where, Jackson? <laughs> um, so thanks, everybody, for checking us out. If you want to l- learn more, you can find us, like I said, at www.hieverybodymd.com or at hieverybodymd on all your favorite social media platforms, as long as they're Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> also, you should call the Doctorb number. So it's yeah, 530-DOCTORB. 530-DOCTORB. Give us a call. And uh, thanks, everybody, for for joining us for this. Um, thanks, everyone who's watching at home. Hopefully, we can see you at San Diego Comic-Con or at WonderCon 2022. Thanks so much. Bye, Bye, Bye folks. Everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks, Bye. Bye.